This is the Big Brand Theory Podcast by Blackwood Creative with your host, Kyle Johnson. And now, here's Kyle. Hey guys, thanks for joining us on the Big Brand Theory Podcast today. Uh, we're talking about um, website UX, uh, a little bit of UI and and kind of what those letters even mean um, and what they mean for your marketing. And so today we have the pleasure of having Erica Boyle on with us and... Um, She's got a little bit to say about UX and um, and her experience and and um, and studies and so forth. Um, she works at a great company called Open Doors, and um, so Erica, thanks for joining us. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the company and like what you guys do? Sure. Thanks for having me. This is an exciting experience for me to get to talk on this subject. I. Um, I'm a designer at heart. It's kind of what is the core of everything that I do. And um, my current role is called a product designer for the company Open Doors. So I'm really rooted right now in the design of um, web-based products that are being sold. But that doesn't mean that UX UI is limited in that scope in any means. So um, how my role works at Open Doors is the product that we are currently selling to anyone is what I design. And what we do is we are selling a sports marketing platform for um, a wide range of entities to use. But at the core of it all, we really have the mission to help every athlete and being able to maximize their endorsement value through our core product being um, social media marketing. But now in the near future, moving into marketing outside of just uh, your social media presence and rooted also in that movement of name, image, and likeness, NIL, and how athletes and both the professional sphere, but then now in the near future in the student athlete sphere, will be able to maximize on that and hopefully make a profit as well um, in the future. That's really cool. Definitely something that's kind of unique. Um, you don't see a lot of it, and you can see a lot of um, you know, especially in our hometown, Notre Dame. Um, their yeah. kind of their football um, program is pretty popular, and so there's been a lot of talk around how um, how the athletes can benefit from having their name, image, and likeness kind of used. By the school, but they can they can uh, benefit from that as well. And so it sounds like you guys are kind of trying to fill that gap. Yes, we have our uh, lovely Husker football team in Lincoln, Nebraska. That um, in Nebraska, um, UNL has been one of our key users um, throughout the lifespan of our product, and being one of those schools that has used it not just to send content to their athletes and to alumni to uh, help market themselves, but also using our tools such as our Ready program, which is something that we're trying to get a lot of universities on for to help their athletes understand how to maximize their marketing uh, value on social media and really helping them analyze their social media accounts and what they could be doing better, how they could be better positioning themselves to be able to use those in the near future. Cool. So in your role, you're designing and we reached out to you about 
um, UX. So talk to me a little bit about what the heck is UX and what does this mean, especially when we're talking about like a website or a web presence or even even like an app or a tool or something like that. So yes. what, is, what is web, what is UX? I love to give the different layered answer to what I do because it depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm trying to explain it to my grandma, it's always like I design the websites, web web pages, things that you see online is like the most basic thing for how I'd explain it. And then if I'm talking to someone in my field, it's UX, UI design, because that is something if you are in that profession, you understand because yes, it's a set of letters and you, and I even had to like, I still have to sometimes remind myself, okay, UX is user experience. UI is user interface. And there's difference between the two where oftentimes what you really think of in web design is more of the user interface things. User experience is what is sometimes the most forgotten piece of um, web design and building and creating an experience online. That web and inter- that user interface is really the things that you're seeing on screen. It's the menu bar at the top. It's the splash image that comes in first with a heading of text that's leading you to scroll down the page. But that user experience is really how all those elements interact together, how a user goes from a home page and drilling down into an informational page three layers deep into a website and being able to then move back out and move into different areas. And user experience is also that interaction of scrolling and how elements are coming in on the page and the little delights that can happen from a user experience along the way. That's awesome. That's a, that's a great uh, a really clear understanding of like now what those two are and like what we're mm-hmm. talking about. And so when we, when we first talked and we kind of um, had some conversations about this and you kind of came up with, I guess, I don't know, five rules, I guess, or at least starting points of like things that like, as we think about the listener of this podcast, whether they're the director of marketing or they're a business owner and they're looking at redesigning their website or something like that, they're just, we're always looking to improve, but as that listener is coming in and saying, okay, website, you know, whatever it is, UX, UI, I've got an understanding of it. So you've got kind of five ideas that like you need to follow these things um, as you're redesigning or <laughs> as you follow these five things, maybe you need to start thinking about redesigning, right? So, yeah. Um, so so let's dive right into these five things. Um, and I'm excited because I've got some questions around them. And I think um, as we go along, we'll, we'll have um, a lot of clarity and stuff into what this whole topic is about. So number one, you're talking about don't reinvent the wheel. So what should we do then? Yes. So oftentimes when you think of design and creating and wanting to build something or redesign something, a lot of creative minds, especially in the marketing field, want to really push the boundaries, make something cool, do something different and make that site feel so unique and individual. But at the same time, you can easily make sacrifices that will end up causing a poor user experience in the end. If you are wanting someone to click on something, you shouldn't make that 
feel anything but something that is clickable. So those are buttons, those are links, those are icons with an underline or a color that's that's blue that makes it something that clicks in the mind for a user that they see on all other sites. It's so interesting when I'm designing things and we're like, oh, we need to make a page that shows payment history for something. Well, we're not going to just create that on our own. We're going to go look at other sites that are currently doing something like that. We're going to go look at PayPal. We're going to go look at Venmo. We're going to look at places that are doing it well and make sure that we're not creating an experience that will be new to a user. So that same thing translates to a marketing website. There's things that you want to make sure your users can do to make sure that they are on there and achieving the goal that goals that they have when they're on your site. And to do that, you don't want to throw them any curveballs. You want to make it as expected as possible. Yeah, that's the thing that popped in my head is this like I've got an expectation here. Uh when I when I hit buy now, right? I should mm-hmm. get some sort of confirmation that says, okay, it's on the way. Here's, you know, your order number, whatever that is. As a consumer, we're expecting these things. And so the idea is to not have some surprise, you got this instead. And so I I think that's a that's a hundred percent on track. Exactly. I have to laugh every time I go to a website and I see them try to do something unique for their cart icon where it makes it, it they want to be unique and having something different than everybody else. But at the end of the day, all a user is wanting to see is a shopping cart so they can click and go see what's in their shopping cart. They don't care that the icon is now a bag with something else detailed on it. There, it's, there are user patterns that have now been established on the web over the last decade that you really don't want to change because at the end of the day, that will just make your site less effective. Yeah, I would 100% agree. Yeah, we don't need surprises. We want, and I think this goes back to, um, you know, and we had talked about this in a previous episode, but um, uh, Donald Miller, and he's got this whole story brand concept. And in that is like this idea and the science of like our brains being like, I want to do as little work as possible. Like, (laughs) this should be easy. Like, I should know how, what my next step is. And that's kind of the same concept. Like, I shouldn't have to try and figure out like, is that a bag? What is on that? Like, I can't figure out where my, you know, I hit the button to add the cart. Now, where's my cart? So um, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense a term used often in kind of the human computer interaction world is the idea of a mental model that a user has created through multiple different experiences that they've had over time. And you always have to think about what is happening in your user's mind when they are going to complete the tasks that they want to do. And that's really what the user experience part of the design is, is you have to, leave your designer mindset and you have to go into a user mindset. And that's why I use the word user a lot because it is a term that broadly just means everyone who is coming onto your site to do something. There's many different user types that you can have, but at the end of the day, you have a user and they want to achieve something. 
and you don't want to, you want to have every goal of your website be to achieve the tasks that you want to have achieved, whether that be to be completely informational website, to be something where you are booking something, to be some a a purchasing e-commerce based website, they all still have goals and you want to make sure that you're following those mental models that align with those goals. And that like, I think to that point, you're also, you're talking about, you talked about some icons and like, you know, this can also be play a role like color and stuff like that. Right. I mean, what, like, should we think about color? Yeah. Color is something that is, I feel like a sensitive topic when it comes to marketing, because you have your brand colors Mm -hmm. and you have the colors that you want to have representing yourself when it comes to your website. But at the same time, there's also a set of colors that are called the semantic colors that have meaning when it comes to web interfaces. Those colors pretty much are red for danger, yellow for warning, and green for success. You can also see blue in there for informational-esque things or for more of a, blue is often used as a primary color for like the primary action on a page, but really red, yellow, and green are the ones that have the most meaning. And it's in in my current role at Open Doors, it's interesting to have to work with this brand where green is their is their primary brand color. And green is used everywhere in all of our items. And so how do you balance both green as the brand color, but also green as a success color when something is going correctly or something has aired in the site, you have to make sure then you switch to a red color and you can't have that button be green anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's something that have to keep in mind as a marketer and you're building your site that if your brand color is yellow, like I think of MailChimp, they use yellow a lot and making sure that you're use, still using your brand colors and not getting them confused in any way with any other interaction that is happening on your site at that time. Our brand colors are black and white and yellow. So, Oh yes, I did. I I did see that yellow was the podcast kind of brand. I wasn't sure if it was your, um, was yeah. Yeah. Blackwood it's, it's our kind of our secondary color. So, um, we kind of, we, we, you know, tangled with that a little <laughs> bit. It's like, we can't, uh, can we make this button yellow? Cause that feels like I don't want to push it now. And, and so, yeah, it's definitely a topic where you kind of, you also have to like test it, right? Like you're, you know, oh, you have sure. a designer who like puts it up and says, okay, gut check, like, how does this feel? And then even doing some AB testing, like technically on the website, yes. different things like that can help you. And that is the backbone of this whole idea of don't reinvent the wheel in these mental models of users. It's, truest way to know that you aren't making compromises or changing what a mental model may be is to test it with people is to get actual user feedback from people using your site, whether or not they've been there before or not. There is also the benefit of using people who've never even been on your site to test things out versus people who are users and have been previously like, condition to some of the things that you have on your site. Yeah. Yeah. 100% agree. Okay. So 
we talked a little bit about that, um, that idea of like not reinventing the wheel and, and kind of that user expectation. Um, next up is uh, navigation, right? So yes. shouldn't navigation be cute and fun and like kind of hidden away and like, you know, we kind of make it that way or, or maybe not. I purposefully had this second tip right behind don't reinvent the wheel because one of the places people want to reinvent the wheel the most is in their navigation. And it is the place where you have to make sure at all times you're the person on your website knows where they are, knows how to go forward and then knows how to go backward. And you can add as much fun interaction into that as you want. But at the end of the day, you have to remember that this navigation is how anyone figures out how to go anywhere in your website. It is one of the most important architectures that you build into a website. You're not just talking about like top nav bar, right? It's, there's no. a lot more than that. There is a lot more th than that. There's different indicators, different elements that now are all kind of included into navigation. And it is all also wrapped into what type of screen size you're on. So oftentimes on marketing websites, the, the carrot icon is very common because you're, you're going to have lists of items underneath, say, here's the products that we sell. And there's going to be a down carrot that means that if a user clicks on that, there's going to be more to see. If you don't have that icon, but you still want to have that menu, it's going to be maybe a confusing experience of a user might not know that that navigation has more items to, to go to within it. And then beyond that, like when you are moving to a mobile size and you have to figure out where this navigation goes, because it oftentimes has to be hidden and has to be behind another click when you get down to a mobile size. And that's where we see the now ever kind of solidifying constant of the hamburger menu icon that is used in most websites now when you're on a mobile site and you see that in the top corner and you know that if you click that you're going to open see your navigation again and okay, if you're so trying just for, yeah just for clarity you've made me hungry i want a hamburger and maybe some carrots but like what the heck are we talking about here what does the carrot menu look like or carrot icon you're totally correct i'm getting caught away in my own vocabulary <laughs> as a designer it, yeah Yes. So taking a step back, the carrot icon is what you think is more of an arrow. It, it, oftentimes it is a down arrow like icon okay. where you see it and it, the reason it's a downward arrow is because it means that if you click it, something's going to appear below it. Yeah. And that is the indication that it is trying to make. A hamburger menu is those three lines that are usually three horizontal lines that you see stacked in the top corner. Sometimes it can also be like three dots, either vertical or horizontal as well. Those are sometimes now being used as menu icons, but the hamburger icon is probably the most infamous at this point in time yeah. um, to most designers. That's awesome. That's good. I mean, I knew what they were, right? After I did research. <laughs> no. uh, but uh, I think that a lot of people, it, you know, it goes to that point of like, 
okay, so what does this actually look like and that kind of thing? So, um, so you're saying you talked about a carrot menu and like a carrot icon and how that's going to drop down and then the hamburger icon, like, um, and we've seen that and you were talking about mobile, right. And seeing that kind of a lot in mobile, um, and are we seeing it other places is mobile kind of pretty strict. We're only using it there kind of. I wouldn't say it's just a mobile thing. I would say it's something when you are thinking of your screen sizes and this kind of is going to bleed into what we're going to talk about next a little bit, but just when you're thinking of navigation, you want to make sure it's something that you can find on any screen size, which means today it could be anywhere from a huge monitor screen to a mobile screen. And there are spots in between. So there's the laptop screen, like what I'm on right now, there's a tablet screen, there's phone screens, but those phone screens are also varying in size at this point in time too. So it's something that you see most represented on mobile, but that doesn't discard it from being used on a desktop-esque space. It just really depends on what size that desktop is. But the rule of thumb is if you if your navigation has so many items in it that it doesn't make it sense to list across the top, that's when it needs to be in a menu. The, the rule of thumb is kind of seven items in navigation. Seven plus or minus two is actually yeah. the, the rule of thumb. So if you have more navigation than that, that's when we're starting to talk about those sub menus and adding different lists below in in your navigation to help drill down even further into a site. Yeah, that's um, in our own web design process. That's something we've seen quite a bit is, especially when you get into like the medical field or higher education or something like that, where there's just so much stuff here and we can't possibly list it all across the top. And we've had to, um, we've had to come in and and see two lines of horizontal navigation and just like fifteen to twenty. I like this isn't going to mm-hmm. work. We need to we need to sub menu this or we need to do something different so that because the user is never going to look. Going back to what you were talking about earlier, like their expectation is there's going to be kind of a heading and then a drop down with more details, and yes. and so they're not going to take the time to kind of look through 20 different items and be like, where the heck is this thing? I don't know where it's at. There's, so I think that's, that's extremely important. But when you are starting to make complex navigation like that, you're also going to want to support more user exploration in that navigation. So you're going to know that if you have all these items and the user might have to click on a few before they find where they wanted to be in the first Mm -hmm. place, you're going to have to then support once they go into that page, how they can get back, how they can go to a, a home base, which is something that um, is very common also in most net websites these days. And making sure that you can let the user make mistakes, but recover easily from them. Some of the elements that are common for navigation in those is like when I'm talking about a home base, having that that logo in your top navigation or a home like home navigation item so that at the end of the day, a user is so far into your site that they don't know where they are anymore. They can hit home and they'll reset themselves. They can go back 
to square one and start their search over again. But then also as you're moving through sites, having also kind of some breadcrumb navigation as well. So having a list of where they've been and where they can go back out in the different layers that they're moving in. Breadcrumbing being those sets of links that you'll see uh, at the top of a page where it'll say kind of the, it'll show the, the process of the pages that you've gone down into and how to move back out of. Yeah. Those are always super helpful because you're, you're three or four pages deep and you're like, how do I get back to the the homepage? Not, not maybe not the homepage, but maybe like the the landing page for this specific you know area that I'm in. And now that I'm two yeah. pages in, I'm like, I need to get back there, but I don't want to just hit back or or something like that. That breadcrumb idea is super helpful. It's been around for a long time, right? But it has not always used. Um, I have a question about home. Um, yeah. So in in 2020 or 2021 in this decade that we're in, right? Is an actual button that says the word home still needed? Or have we all come to the conclusion that if I hit the logo in the top left corner, I'm going to get back to the homepage? In my opinion, and I'm prefacing that with this does require looking at user research for sure, but I believe that a home listed icon like navigation item is no longer needed. I believe that hitting a logo is an assumption that most users will make and taking them back to home. They will see that. And if they can click it, they will know that they're going to go back to home. That's, I feels like a, almost like a little bit of a de- debate these days. So I know. Um, that's why yeah. I want to say it's my opinion because yeah. I know it's something that could be debated against um, for sure. And it definitely, like, if you don't have a website that has a true home, that happens a lot with products. Like, like a product that I design, like, has a home, but it has multiple pages that could be thought of as a home for a user. So that's where it gets a little messier. But when it when I, it comes to a kind of customer facing website, mm-hmm. that is when that connection is stronger, I believe. Sure. Okay, we'll we'll leave that debate for later on too. <laughs> um, so, how do we? You mentioned the word testing, though, like testing your audience with that home button idea, like. How do we like, is there something we do to go about doing that? Um, Do you have any like Mm -hmm. ideas or tips on that? So testing and user research doesn't always mean that you have to be setting up an interview with the user and showing them something and getting that feedback right there one-on-one. There's a lot of tools now on the market that can help you run tests on your interfaces to help you um, talk to people, get them to use your site for through a small test and give you some a quick feedback on it. Something that I do in my free time is I uh, use usertesting.com, which is a site that you can both use as a test. Be, I, so like I'm a tester. I go on and I test other people's things. For me, it helps 
understand how other people approach user testing. And it's given me my own ideas and how I do it myself. And then there's people who can then put said tests on there. So if you are wanting to test your navigation, you can use a site like this. There's other, there's many different sites on the market. I was just looking the other day because I need to find a something as well for there's a site called user zoom there's one called um let's see here if i can find the list it was i had them all here so something like um full story or um sorry this isn't my pauses i like i had all these pulled <laughs> up and i just lost my list for them oh no <laughs> Uh, test birds was the other one and UX cam. Those were the two that I was trying to think of. Okay, there we go. So yes, there's many tools on the market to like run a user test and a user test can be a simple, just showing a screen and being like, do you see the navigation asking questions on it? It could be something interactive where you're prompting someone testing to click on things to try to navigate somewhere, but not, using the actual words that you're trying to have them find. There's, um, you can use your test in many different ways. You mentioned earlier, like an A-B testing where you just put two different versions of your website live and you use tools to capture um, how each one um, performs based off of what is being clicked. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's many different ways to approach it. I like to think that it's, I, I like to encourage people to not think about it in just one way, because that is often the trap that you can fall into with wanting to test something is that you have to, you think that you can only get feedback in one method, but really what you need to do if you're wanting to understand how something is performing is you have to think of it as research and you form an experiment and sometimes experiments can be a whole different set of things. That's awesome. Experimenting. I know that's a little off topic from what we were talking about, but yeah, that's... No, it's good. Um, I think I mean, it, you're talking about user experience, right? And so yeah. we need to go to the user and say, how did you, how do you experience this? And I know that like, even today, we delivered a design for somebody and the designer had, and this was, this was for print, but it's still relevant that like, the designer had something in his mind of like, here's here's what I'm envisioning with like the feel of this thing. And we deliver it. We get three people on the client's side to give us some feedback. And they all came back with this idea that like, oh, it looks sad. And we're like, oh, that's not at all what we were going for. So this idea is that like, especially with experience on a website and so forth, because a lot of this is like, when you're talking about a marketing site or something like that, you're um, you're talking about actual sales, and so it's important mm -hmm. that you, the experience is good. And a lot of times, as a designer, we need to get out of our own head and out of our own expectations and say, "What is the user actually seeing here?" And like doing that testing, especially when you come into navigation, if they get lost, yes. they're gonna say, "And I'm out," you know. So that's pretty important. When you're building something like navigation on your site, if you ever find yourself making an assumption, that is when you need to ask yourself, should I be testing this assumption? Because that's when you might be making a leap that is not going to have you land well in the end. And, and, and so 
whenever we're designing something, I like to, we do an activity called like risky assumption testing or risky assumption mapping, where we write down all the riskiest assumptions that we're making about something. So if it's in your navigation and you have this submenu and one of your riskiest assumptions is, will a user find this? Or if you're removing the home navigation piece, the risky assumption is, will a user still know that they are going to make it home? Like we're assuming that they're still going to know. And you're, and whenever you're assuming in UX UI design is when you want to maybe follow up with some testing. Probably a good idea. <laughs> good. Okay, so I can make an assumption though here that uh, many, many, and most websites are visited on a mobile phone. Yes. So that takes us to point number three in the importance of mobile. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so we've already touched a little bit on that navigation mobile piece. But mobile goes far beyond just like making sure you can navigate a site mobily. It's also just making sure that everything is responding well to that new screen size. Oftentimes, like I know a lot of web builders these days have that viewport where you just hit a button and it kind of shuffles everything into a mobile view and you're like, oh yeah, okay, that looks good. Thumbs up, we'll move on. And then you go back to designing on a desktop view. And that's not always the case when it comes to how users and people are using their phones and making searches every day in their mobile browser for any sort of content. So I know you ha will have an episode all about SEO at some point in this series, but what couples with that is not only are you wanting your website to show in those Google searches that humans are making at all times of the day now on their phones, but you also want then that when you, your site shows up and you're clicked into on that mobile phone, it is then a pleasant experience. You don't want to just get almost to the finish line just to trip right at the end of the race. So you yeah. want to make sure that you're able to not just yeah, have that website populate as an option to click on. But then once that click is made, then someone can find the information that they want to on your site. Right. And like you're saying, we'll talk about SEO later, but it's obvious that Google finds that the UX of the site once, you know, especially if somebody's searching mobile, Mm -hmm. They're gonna they're gonna say they're gonna tick you up or down based on experience, and that's we get all into like uh, yes. you know page load times and all of that kind of stuff that um, that makes a big difference, and it's not only can affect your your ranking, but it's also definitely going to affect your users' time and their desire to keep going, right? So I mean, we've exactly. all done it. We've all been on websites where we search on our phone and we get some sort of weird hybrid desktop kind of hodgepodge system. And we're like, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm going to go find the, you know, the second, the third option or whatever it mm -hmm. is. So it's even Google themselves have become almost supplying information, even on a surface level of their own interface. Now that doesn't even require 
users to click into websites anymore. And you have to be able to battle that new problem of someone say searches for your product and Google's first response is a definition or a, a, a paragraph explanation about a general thing in that area. And maybe that was all the person's looking for and they read that and they're done. Yeah. And how do you make sure that your site is supplying the information that is being utilized then on this search engine to be able to get into your website and make sure that you are converting those searches into something usable for you. So that is, yes, a very big area that goes that UX is definitely a part of, but it's also, I don't want to get so sucked into SEO for just the design aspect as well with mobile, because I think you also have to think about how, your phone is something you use more almost and people are, have more access to than a laptop at this point in time. Mm-hmm. This is something that we see at Open Doors. We have most of our usage is on a mobile browser. It is something that we have to think about a lot when it comes to an athlete logging onto our platform to look at what media has been sent to them by their team to post social content about. And that is where they're going and they're looking at images and they are creating posts for themselves. And the same could be said for uh, a, the, the media team for a athletics department where they are, at a game and they might not have their a laptop computer, but they always, you always have your mobile device with you. Yeah. And that mobile device is a small computer in your pocket that you can easily get onto and access things. So it's also just keeping in mind that you might think that your website is always going to be accessed on this desktop because we are also trained to think that many of our users are desk jobbed people and so they're at a desk looking at a computer but that's not even the case as much anymore well i know for me like as a leader in my company and so forth like i'm running around and so there are often times when even in a business to business environment or something like that like i'm I'm saying, well, I have to resolve to, you know, like I have to resolve to using my phone to do this right now, even though I do have a laptop, I have an iPad, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Like, but it's because of convenience. It's in convenience my, you know, it's in my pocket, in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. And so when it comes to someone thinking about their marketing website and say someone was in conversation with someone and your brand gets just mentioned in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And that person wants to quickly look up who you are. Yep. It's going to be happening on a mobile phone. Absolutely. More likely. Yeah. Um, I did it today. So <laughs> <laughs> there's one one uh, check in the test scenario. Oh, yes. So. I am so guilty to be that person who is like watching a movie and looking up each actor, each thing that I hear yes. all this, at the same time that I'm watching this movie, but also needing to know all the information. I'm yeah. definitely guilty of that. But that's where you have to remember why, like, that's a, just a, a habit of 
humans now is to go to phone first when you're wanting to look up something. So what are, what are some things that you're seeing in your position and so forth that maybe people are doing incorrectly when they're designing for mobile? So the biggest thing that I, like one of the biggest issues that I see is when a website really wants to have an experience when you first enter their site where maybe some sort of image is coming on screen when you're scrolling and text is showing and you have a big balance of white space to images. And sometimes when you mash that all together into a phone screen and that scrolling doesn't, it, it's a completely different experience because the timing of everything is different. You're hitting different spots at different times and making sure that you're looking at the experience on the desktop almost differently as an experience on mobile and not just assuming that, Oh, if things are responding well, they're going to, that's as much as a, that's just filling the checkbox for mobile design. But mobile is um, a different experience where it takes longer to scroll. It takes more patience and time. And sometimes the checkout can be so much faster than on mobile. If you, if it takes too long to get to where you wanted to be, then you're going to move on to the next site. So keeping in mind that if you want a very highly designed website to perform well on mobile, you're going to have to make sure you're also giving that content right away. And that's what I see the most as an issue when it comes to a lot of marketing sites on mobile. Yeah, I, I see that as well. And I think... There's, it's trying to find this balance, right, between keeping the design and the, you know, and some of that experience stuff in there, but you have to go simple because yes. you're, you just don't have the space, you don't have the time, yeah. like you're talking about, to have, oh, well, let's have six images here, just kind of float in. It's like, oh, well, maybe let's make it one, you know, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of actually leads us into point number five, right? So we're talking yes. about mobile, which is obviously a big, big thing here. Um, But your point number five is talking about kind of some design trends. And then I like this, this little piece that you put in there, this idea of making scrolling desirable. Like I want to continue and on a phone that's scrolling, but maybe on a, on a computer that's clicking or something like that. But talk to us a little bit about that. So when I think of design trends right now, it really leads to to scrolling and getting content to be consumed by someone is one of the biggest design trends that I've seen take place over the last few years when it comes to website design, because it's more common now that you aren't having a user move through so many pages of navigation. They are hitting that homepage and they are going to scroll until they find their answer. It is a behavior that I even find myself having when I've done some user tests and I'm asked, oh, how would you find something? If I don't find on the homepage, then my next resort is going to navigation. So design trends that really help make that scrolling desirable is really telling a story through images, through video, through animation of things coming into screen to the use of kind of segments to your homepage almost is what I like to call them where 
you have content called out with a colored background and maybe when you scroll, then something else slides in and then you scroll down and a video comes up. An experience actually, I just went through yesterday that I was looking um, at Apple's website, um, looking for a new phone for the holiday season. And their scrolling experience was a completely different thing that I had ever had where I was almost unsure if I was still on the same page because no. things were blowing up in my face. I didn't know. Yeah. It was being taken all over the place. And so that's where design trends you have to keep in mind is they're cool and they really help make that scrolling desirable. But you also don't want to make it so elaborate that it then becomes a double-edged sword of having to maintain and upkeep because that's kind of the the moral of the story to design trends is they're trends they are things that are popular at a moment in time and that if you lead yourself too far down a path then you're going to have to continuously update and redesign your website Mm -hmm. at the at a company i worked for previously called quantum workplace while I was there for three years, we had three different website designs for our marketing website. And as I was leaving, they were going into their third. And it was interesting that they had to d- decide to completely redesign every time. And it is just making sure you have this balance of using trends, but then also the timeless pieces or the things that are tried and true with design that we've talked about before with redesign not redesigning the wheel and stuff like that yeah finding the balance is extremely important and we've talked about this with many of our clients as we you know build websites and so forth and the idea that like like let's make a good chunk of it 80 percent or whatever percentage of it like something that 10 years from now you could still feel good about um and then the last 20 percent we can play with that like Oh, well, this is going to happen as you scroll and do these things. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe in two years we change that and it does something different or it does nothing or whatever. But the idea is like, let's keep the the meat of it, like something that's, that's consistent back to what we talked about before. It's what the user is expecting to happen and so forth. Yes. Yeah. I love your use of the 80, 20 rule there for sure. It's something that, there are some trends that I don't see going away, such as the use of more images and graphics and video over text and yeah. reading of content. I think that is a trend that we will see live for a while at least um, due to the more visual nature that a lot of our web experience has moved to. When I think of like, Instagram winning out as the social media channel right now. It's because of that visual aspect. It's something that we're really drawn to right now as humans. Well, and Ikea won that like years ago when they just sent us instructions with just pictures on it. And we're like, oh, well, I guess that's all I need. You know, I mean, most of the time anyways. (laughs) Sometimes some words would be helpful, but but yeah, I mean, it's 100% true. And especially, I like your, your, when you talk about Instagram, um, because mm-hmm. I know like for me and probably for many like me and others that as I'm scrolling through, um, I've, if I think about it, I'm only for a small percentage of the time actually reading any captions. 
I'm just kind of looking at pictures and saying, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's cool. Uh, And then if something really grabs me and I'm like, what is this? Then I'll stop and read that caption or something like that. But it it does go to say, like, I 100% agree that we are definitely heading towards and we're in, but we're heading towards even more of a visual uh, user experience. So Yes, that's where when I think of marketing websites and that visual aspect, I think of how trying to translate what you're selling into like a visual is not always easy. It's not always something you have the best access to and something that I've seen a lot. If you don't have access to like actual, like if you're trying to sell a product, like product images, if you don't have something like that, really turning towards those graphics. That's something that I see a lot these days where you have graphics of people doing things, kind of shapes and colors and different things put together to kind of give a bit more life to your site and very high styled graphics as well, not um, kind of simple one dimensional things. So that's something that as a trend that I think is going to stick around as well. Awesome. So a little bit on the design side though, like our website and our user experience, um, you're saying here as kind of our fifth point, um, that to make sure your website feels like an extension of your brand. So what, what do you mean by that? So when I, was thinking of all the trends that are out there right now and how you so want to be a trendy site that you throw in all these things that bring in motion, bring in the desire to scroll. But then at the end of the day, if you look at your site and it's not something that represents you, then you've all the work that you did is for nothing because that website, that, that extension of your brand needs to feel like an extension of your brand. It can't, completely throw off your user um, when they think they know maybe who you are, if they're trying to learn who you are, if that website sets them up with false expectations or changes their expectations, then it's only going to hurt you in the end. So when I think of my experience, what I was just talking about with Apple and how that was felt very cutting edge for an experience Mm -hmm. to me, that was okay because that was, that's, that's, Apple as a brand. Like when I think of them and design, they like to push design. Whereas uh, a a company website that I created um, or helped redesign, I should say, uh, a few years ago was um, a construction company's website where they had hired a design firm to help them build this website. And no fault to either party, what happened was the website was a very trendy designed website that ended up not representing a construction company's brand of being simple, easy to find, more traditional in their values and how they view things. And also being a company that they even, their knowledge of the web was pretty limited. And it's just because you have to be able to either effectively describe your brand and talk about your brand to whoever is building your site and have those discussions about how this website needs to be a representation of that, or if you're doing it yourself, keeping that in mind throughout the entire process. Yeah. And I think as we talk about, there's, there's different aspects of that, right? So there's 
there's the idea of design and the look of it, right? It should mm-hmm. clearly you, um, you know, if, if you took Apple's website and you stuck like Whole Foods logo on it, you'd be like, uh, what's going on here? Like the yes. look isn't the same. The um, look being user interface, going back to our terminology here. Yes. Yep. Yes. But the other side is the experience of it. And I think yes. that includes, um, some visuals and different things like that, but it's also including other things like, um, you know, like your actual verbiage and like what you're saying and how you're saying it and different things like that. Right. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't yes. that be part of it? Yes. Part of the experience is the voice and tone of your website and making sure that matches what your brand has set out as its voice and tone. It's a, in my opinion, a very common thing to have included in your nice branding packet that you make for yourself as a company. Um, but that voice and tone doesn't just stop at like marketing materials that you make. It, it is something that also needs to be included in that website that you're building to make sure it is, it sounds like you, it, that that's a, a whole part of the experience as well is making sure that if you are a very informal brand that wants to feel very friendly and laid back, maybe you say you greet your user with a more of like a, Hey, what's up? Welcome back. Like familiarity Mm -hmm. versus if you're more of a traditional company that wants to just make sure your values are forefront and center. And that's all that you really care about. That is the language and how you talk about things. And it's more formal in that sales process way. So definitely words are important when it comes to stuff like that. Even though we did talk about images being more important than words right now, but when it comes to words, especially those headlines that you're wanting to use to grab attention on pages, that's where voice and tone is definitely important. That's awesome. Well, we talked about user experience. We talked about user interface and kind of the difference between those two. Mm-hmm. And so to recap, we've got five things, right? So yes. we're, not re- we're not reinventing the wheel. We're mm-hmm. going to look at current trends and some expectations. Um, we're going to make sure our navigation is solid. And going back to that, also as expected, um, using yes. using hamburgers and carrots, um, <laughs> not cooking them, but uh, designing them. Um, mobile experience is so huge. It's so huge, especially not only like on website, but we were talking about other things like, well, if your company has an app, different things like that, obviously that's all mobile and, and hugely important. Um, and then some of the trends that we're talking about and scrolling and so forth, that's so awesome. And then the last thing just, which I think kind of recaps all of it in this idea of like, is, is this, are you delivering a user experience that they would have something similar if they walked in the front door of your building and they saw exactly. the physical aspect of your bill of your company and then they saw the digital and it feels like, yeah, these two go together. Um, and I think that kind of speaks to the whole idea of user experience, um, which is something that like I we're we're talking about websites today, but like the idea of user experience is so broad, right? I mean, you're so you, broad you talk about your physical product, your customer service, all of that type of stuff kind of falls within the user's experience with your company. So yes, a very, a big growing area for many companies, especially companies that are very like 
invest a lot within their sales process and in that pipeline from sales to customer success teams and stuff is the idea of customer experience being something that UX experience, the user experience, I should say, is a part of that. But then also every touch point along that experience that a customer is making being a unique experience to that company and making sure that customer is feeling like they are being carried along in a way that makes sense and is comfortable and is knowledgeable to them and is feeling, making them feel special in a way that they are getting um, quite the experience from everybody from the first sales demo that they might make, or even a step before that, the marketing site that they enter, set up that sales demo, and then go through the entire entire sales funnel through that. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. So, well, Erica, I appreciate your time. Um, You've dropped a lot of knowledge on us and I'm excited for everyone to kind of take what they've learned today and, and start putting it into practice. Um, so if somebody's listening and they say, I would like to talk to that nice lady, um, how would they get a hold of you? They can hit me up on LinkedIn is where I do a lot of just connecting with any individual in this space. Um, they can just look me up as Erica Boyle on there. They can also always feel free to email me with any questions. It's ericaboyle at opendoorstack.com. And then um, beyond that, I just um, encourage people to continue to read articles and look into different websites that they find inspiration from because at the core of all of this, even if it's not from me and my knowledge itself, you can find so much inspiration for design anywhere you look on the web right now. And I just um, find that I don't, I like to get out of my own way of like talking about how, like what I all know and just go look at all the other amazing individuals in this field. Yeah. There's so much good stuff out there and the opposite. You can learn what not to do sometimes. So that's also for sure. true. <laughs> All right, Erica, I really, really appreciate your time. Um, and for those of you that are listening, um, go check things out. Hit Erica up on the LinkedIn. And um, of course, you can follow um, the Big Brand Theory podcast everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, the whole nine. So um, have a great day and we'll check you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Big Brand Theory podcast. Make sure to like and follow us on social media and subscribe to the podcast today.